Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, let me tell you what's going on and what's going to happen for the next 45 minutes or so. See, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We've driven some pretty cool cars lately, and we want to tell you all about it. So that's exactly what we're going to do. You can find my work online um, at some websites called AutoGuide and some called AutoTrader.ca. And Ben, well, he's like this—he's like an all-star of the automotive industry, and his work is found almost everywhere you try to get some relevant and new and interesting information. Ben, what are some of the latest publications that you've written for? Neither of the statements Sammy just made are accurate, but you can find me at Automobile Magazine, uh, Driving Line, Auto Trader as well, and Super Street. And HumbleWriters.com. Ben, what are we talking about this week? Actually, I want to start first because I've got a Whoa. brand new car. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to give you a chance. Just going to hijack the podcast right off yeah. the beat. Well, what do you want? To, do you want to start? No, I, not anymore. I, I mean, I was because I know that you need time. You, like I have to stall for you as you gather your notes. You have so many written notes. I always, I love this about you. You have so many written notes. I can always hear them shuffling in the background. It's mostly diagrams. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a like a you know, like a, person. You know, this is totally off topic, but you know how in um in movies in the, like the late '90s to early 2000s, if they needed the male character to have a job. That seemed like intellectual, but also allowed them to have a lot of free time. They always made them architects, right? Because no one really knew what an architect did. <laughs> so you could just show like someone in an office with a bunch of plans and diagrams on their desk looking at them. And then someone would come in and they'd look up and then they'd leave for adventure. Like, that's, exactly. That's yeah, always exactly. So it's like that for me. It's like I just draw diagrams of all these cars and then someone knocks on the door and they're like, are you ready, Dr. Jones? And I'm like, yeah. And I, we jump off and fight Nazis somewhere. I love, I love, hold up. <laughs> Dr. Jones. <laughs> That's, That's my good. name I on Craigslist. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Okay, this week I've got a car that you have no diagrams of because it's the brand new 2020 Subaru Legacy Sedan. Um, and this is a very important car because every time a new uh, legacy comes along, that means a new Outback is coming very shortly afterwards. I love how to you, like, that's the most important part of the legacy, that it's like a donor vehicle to the Outback. I mean, honestly, I think that's the right way to look at it. The Outback outsells the legacy every single time. It's the more popular product, especially now as people go towards more crossovers. But... You know what? This new legacy isn't bad at all. There's no reason to um, glance over it. It's full of um, really good technology. It uses a brand new platform. It's got a turbocharged engine, which is pretty impressive. And as usual, uh, Subaru has really emphasized um, safety. And you can always count on a Subaru having the all-wheel drive system. So that's the number one reason people used to buy it in the past. But one of its biggest competitors, the Nissan Altima, has now entered the segment with an all-wheel drive system. And uh, people are worried that that might take the 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 spotlight away from the legacy. Well, you could also you, did get you a, ever think that? No, because you can also get a fusion with all wheel drive. But nobody bought a fusion, according Fusions to are everyone. Very I thought they sell two hundred thousand units a year, don't they? Yeah, on uh, at on fleet sales. Okay, so how many? I, I'm willing to bet that is a multiple of what legacy sells. <laughs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> I don't um, know. So an Altima as well. Is those Altima a strong seller? Uh, I believe it is too, but I also believe that that's a strong fleet um, vehicle. And for whatever reason, the the Legacy has never made it quite um, popular with the fleets. 
Not that that's something to be proud of, I think. But I don't even know if this is not a this is not to cast aspersion on Subaru. I don't know if they have the capacity to service fleet markets in North America. I don't really mm. think that's their focus. So that's necessarily a bad thing either. Well, they just had a record month selling, I think, over 70,000 units, um, which is pretty impressive for a company as small as Subaru. Well, they sold 40,000 legacies last year and 49,000 the year before that. So those are not tiny numbers. But they're not massive numbers. It obviously gets outsold by all the other vehicles, um, save for the, I would say, save for the BRZ. Um, I think the Outback, the Forester, um, and probably the Crosscheck are more popular than it. So, yeah, uh, Altima sold 209,000 last year. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now you can get, an, as I said, you can get an Altima with um, all-wheel drive. But the difference with the Altima is that if you're going to get an all-wheel drive model, as far as I understand, you can only get it with the base engine. That's a 2.5-liter four-cylinder. And the Legacy comes with both of its engines um, with all-wheel drive. That's just the way Subaru does things. And that means you get a base 2.5-liter boxer engine. It's the same one that's found in the Forester. So it makes uh, roughly 180 horsepower and 175 pound-feet of torque or so. And it feels pretty good. It's, an, it's like... Um, it's adequate. That's what it's good for. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's cool that Subaru is offering an option. I think Ultima only limiting to the base is definitely going to cut into the number of sales they make. And then if you do want more power, and let's be honest, who doesn't, you can get a turbocharged version of uh, – actually, it, it's not a turbocharged version of anything. It's a 2.4-liter turbocharged flat four. It's pretty much the same engine that's found in the Ascent, which is like the three-row SUV. Now that's being put in a midsize sedan. So okay. this makes like 200 and uh, – you know what? I should be more accurate with my numbers because I'm sure somebody's going to be like uh, a stickler for Someone out there grow. has a diagram <laughs> and they're upset right now. Okay. So the base engine is 182 horsepower and 174 pound-feet of torque. The upgraded engine is 260 horsepower and 277 pound-feet of torque, which sounds good. But you should remember that the front-wheel drive um, competitors like the – Toyota Camry, you can get a six-cylinder in that, and that makes that makes 300 horsepower. That's true, but I don't know how popular that six-cylinder actually is. I like that engine, but mm-hmm. I don't know the breakdown on how many people are actually buying it. Now, you've driven the Ascent before, right? Uh, yes. And this engine, there's nothing to complain about with this engine. It's actually pretty good. Um, my complaint is with the CVT. While the CVT in the base engine is normal, it, it does the job very easily, and it's pretty quiet... The new um, CVT in the in the high horsepower motor, I, I, maybe in the, it's the pre-production units that I drove or early production units that I drove, could sometimes be a little inconsistent and it could surge the power. It always felt like it was interfering at times and it didn't. It, it definitely didn't need to. And I thought that was um, really unrefined. And that's a problem because the rest of the legacy is pretty well buttoned down. Um, the only complaints I have about it is. The exterior design is completely anonymous. If you look at this thing, you will forget about it um, almost immediately, probably as soon as you're looking at it. You're going to be like, wow, look at that car. And you'll be like, wait, what was that again? Uh, it that's really... true. I mean, that's true of a lot of competitors in the midsize sedan segment. It's not, it's not, a, fashion, it's not a fashion plate type of segment. I'm not, I... I'm not saying the cars are ugly. No. They just know how to blend in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, the other thing that's worth pointing out about this car is it's finally the time that the Legacy has joined the rest of its um, the Subaru lineup and is on the Subaru Global platform, which is a modular platform. Uh, it's the same platform that's found. Uh, it started in the Impreza. It went to the Forester. Uh, sorry, it started in the Impreza. It went to the Crosstrek. It went to the Forester. It's 
um, used in the Ascent, and now the Legacy and Outback get it as well. Almost pretty much every car in the Legacy in the Subaru lineup has this platform, except for the BRZ. And um, what's important about that? It's an extremely stiff platform. It's also a very safe platform um, in terms of crash test safety. I know this is not a very sexy thing to talk about, but the energy absorption um, of this new platform is up 40% over the old one. And that's a pretty big deal when it comes to crash test safety. Okay, I'm going to take your word for that. I mean, I didn't test it. I didn't uh, I didn't go back-to-back in an old Legacy and a new Legacy. I, I just always assume newer cars are safer than older cars. It's very rare that, that the opposite is the case. That's also <laughs> the company's true. like, you know, we could have made this safer, but why bother? <laughs> <laughs> um. Although, okay, you know what? We talk. I've talked about the the platform and how that's a safe part of the the vehicle. Um, Subaru also includes a bajillion um, safety features. Um, among them, your favorite, the driver focus robot that watches your eyes and makes sure that you're not oh, telling no, any lies. More than one vehicle now. Oh, yeah, or looking away from the the road. Hey, does that robot try to make friends with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it always tries to recognize you and says, would you like me to, you know, adjust or automatically adjust your seat, uh, your HVAC settings and your radio presets, which is pretty neat, and your mirrors. So that's like friendly, right? It's not friendly. What is it? It can't have, it doesn't feel Sammy. So it's not friendly. It's just something that's happening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in addition to that, the car comes with, uh, standard eyesight, at least in Canada, which is where I tested the vehicle. I think every Um, manual, I think every automatic transmission Subaru comes with standard eyesight. And that's the suite of, um, what's it called? Safety features. So it comes, um, adaptive cruise control and automatic emergency braking. And they've also upgraded EyeSight to have a lane centering feature, um, which is very interesting. I'll talk about this because me and you have talked about lane centering or, or lane, lane keeping assist. So sometimes you get these lane keeping assist features and they just bounce the car from one lane marking to the other and you yeah. just end up like ping pong. And so it's really like, it's dumb. Like, I got to be honest, it's stupid. I hate it when that happens, right? Uh, it just reminds you like, okay, the car can't actually drive itself. It's all me. I'm doing everything. I'm the hero in this vehicle here. Um, now what the lane centering, um, technology does is it measures those, the distance between the the two lanes and it keeps the car centered. Uh, it's kind of like a tractor beam for the lane, which is kind of important too. But you and I have also driven in areas after snowfall or rainfall, and those markings can be really difficult for not just cameras to see, but even people, right? Yeah. So... What Subaru has also included in this technology is a feature that tracks the car in front of you and attempts to follow it um, when those lane markings are not uh, available. I love that this feature assumes that the car in front of you has a human driver. Yeah. I love that, that a semi-autonomous driving technology relies on a human driver that's extraneous to the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, Out there, you have no idea if that person's intoxicated or not, but we're going to trust them with your life. How about that? Does that sound great? Uh, I want to. I want to also talk about. <laughs> it's it's weird. Lots of companies. They're not the only people to do this. BMW does this. Uh, I think a lot of companies have follow along technology in a similar vein. But I want to talk about um, a vehicle I didn't talk about a few okay. months or last month that I drove the the Lincoln MKX or the Nautilus. I guess is this what it's called now. <laughs> And oh, okay. so I, I love I, I love it when we ask ourselves what we drove recently and. There's a question mark at the end of it. 
It'll, okay. They, they changed I think the, it's the Nautilus. They yeah, changed sure. the nomenclature. But it's because I took it on a long road trip and I used the driving assistance technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, this vehicle had adaptive cruise control and follow along. The adaptive cruise control in that vehicle was so abrupt in terms of its oh. braking, it was yeah. almost impossible to use. And there were times I just turned it off because it was like someone slamming the brakes on on a regular basis in traffic. And it was just not comfortable at all. And it surprised me because that's an expensive luxury vehicle. And then uh, immediately mm-hmm. after that, I had the Golf R that we talked about last week, I think. Mm-hmm. And that had exceptional cruise control in terms of uh, radar following. The the adaptive system was excellent, very smooth at all times. And the vehicle that I drove this week, we're going to talk about in a little bit, it's a very, very high-end luxury car, and its adaptive cruise control was fine, but not as good as the Golf R's. And I find it fascinating that you can have like a a seemingly affordable vehicle like the Volkswagen doing Mm -hmm. something so much better than much more expensive vehicles do. I, I agree with you 100%. I love seeing that in the past we used to have to save up for the really fancy features and the and the smooth and luxurious experiences. Like uh, they would only be found in the high end vehicles. But now it's almost as if like the automakers like we've made this this technology even better. Put it in the next car that gets that has like the capabilities of this car. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, the Subaru Eyesight technology is pretty good. Uh, it sometimes gets. Um, caught off guard by direct sunlight so um i've i've experienced that i didn't experience experience that lately with this legacy but i've seen that happen before um the other thing that it does when you're using the adaptive cruise control in the eyesight um feature is it beeps a lot but not like aggressive angry beeps they're like very gentle beeps to tell you that it sees a car in front of you don't worry about it it sees that um that vehicle is slowing down don't worry about it it's i don't just want like that a, can you turn it's that just on? like a like that like just very faint like it's so <laughs> annoying you will never hear it i'm telling you uh, i have you, eyes i know what's going on in front of me no but seriously can i turn it off i'm can not I, sure i'm not sure and maintain the feature i think that that i do like that feature because sometimes you're on a on a on a less busy highway and you've got the adaptive cruise control and you can see that car off in the distance and you're like i really hope the car like picks that up and then sure enough it'll show in the in the little gauge cluster and it'll say that and it'll beep it'll be like i got it don't worry uh, which I think is really – it's kind of cute in a yeah, way. But, but the, I guess the fact that you have to thing. worry <laughs> is in itself worrisome. The fact that you're like, eee, I hope that the system I'm depending on my life with is is going to work as advertised. You know, like, no. But this is – I think we're still in the infancy of this kind of technology. We're not yet that uh, – no adaptive cruise, uh, adaptive cruise control or automatic emergency braking is a 100% – uh, system. I mean, yeah, even so the why, most advanced... why would I even trust their beeps? Like it's, it's the same thing. It's like well, I mean, that is enough to to give you a little bit of reassurance that this feature is 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 operating. I, I need mean, more than some kind of digital Morse code to <laughs> reassure me. Of course, you do. You need a a gentle reminder, a phone call from the car. It plays over the speakers and it reminds. It's basically a therapist. I want the, the car to be like, "Hey, don't worry, bro. I'm following the drunk driver in front of you. I got this." <laughs> okay. Um. The other thing about the platform is it's very rigid. I don't know if you've driven – yes, you have driven pretty much all of these other Subarus. I've driven them too. They drive very well. They're, they're really neutral feeling for pretty mainstream cars, not sporty vehicles. Um, and they're surprisingly fun to drive. As usual, the steering is probably the low light of the, the handling experience. But otherwise, the car is really um, solid. The thing only, that I th- only steering wasn't important at all. Yeah, it's just like vague. It, it sometimes sometimes can feel a little vague and a little light, 
which is a complaint that happens in almost every vehicle in the segment, save for maybe the Mazda 6. Um, actually, the Camry has really good steering now, and uh, the, the Accord is pretty good. But I do find this better than the Ultima and uh, some of the other cars in its segment as well, like the, the Kia uh, Optima and um, Hyundai Sonata. Um, and you know what? While I'm talking about the Sonata... That's a car that has gorgeous styling, right? Remember, I'm, the, the new one that's coming out, hopefully by the end of the year, is really going to impress people with its uh, design. And this is where the Subaru Legacy will look ancient. Um, but the interior of the Legacy is where Subaru has really made their biggest leap. This is now an interior that's um, it's no compromise. And I think that was always the case with Subaru interiors. They've now, across the board, made interiors that are worth um, being in, sitting in, and not just saying, well, this was the this was the... The downside to getting a car with standard all-wheel drive. So I'm really impressed with it. It's got a huge 11.6-inch touchscreen system um, that when you use Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, it splits it in half. It puts that feature up top and another feature at the bottom so that you have sort of this multitasking um, ability with the infotainment system. I didn't find the infotainment system as fast as I, I wanted it to. Um, it's not as good as, say, like Uconnect or... Um, that really is the standard in the segment, I think. I mean, in, in the industry sometimes. Yeah. In terms of touchscreen systems, right? Yeah, I would agree. I didn't find it as good as that. But it was usable. And Subaru is also bringing to market a telematics, um, a connected telematics system. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know how many people are using all of the features yeah, in these systems. That's a really good question. If you are a listener and you use something like Nissan Car Wings or any of these other types of like <laughs> BMW connected Hyundai drive. Blue Link. Yeah, there's Hyundai Blue Link. There's OnStar. There's this Starlink system. There's BMW's connected drive. There's just so many things out there. And, and like I don't know how many people use that versus just using their phones if they need to find something on the road. or mm-hmm. it, It's anyway, <laughs> I never use it. I've used OnStar okay. in the past, but on the new cars, like I've almost never used any of these features, and I and I don't feel like I'm missing anything by not using it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, be very curious if anyone out there, any listeners out there, have some experiences they want to share with us. I mean, I don't know. They gave us a really interesting demonstration of the technology. So basically, we went and uh, and had something to eat, and when we parked the cars, we gave the keys to um, the handlers or the 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 PR people, and they uh, said, "Okay, we'll be back with you in a minute." Um, hang around, and then when we came back, they they're like, "Well, we took your car and we put it in a place that you wouldn't that that it wasn't where you left it. You need to use the app to find it." And I mean, I'm like, I've never been in that scenario where somebody has moved my car without telling me exactly where it was. I have one time, and it was scary <laughs> oh, because no. so I've had a car stolen in the past, and that oh, sucks. God. Like when you were to walk out to where your car was, and it's not there anymore, and then you never see it again. So that had happened to me, and then maybe like a couple years later, I was parked downtown in Montreal, and I, I was at a concert, and I came out, and my car wasn't there, and my first thought was, oh no, it's happening again, right? Like, this, yeah. is, it felt exactly like theft, uh, but it turns out what had happened was they did like an emergency snow clearing, and they moved my car, they towed it to a side street. Oh my god! And you, they don't tell you where. Like, it's how just would gone. you know that? <laughs> you don't. You honestly don't. And the Holy only god. reason I found out is because they had someone with a clipboard who was wandering <laughs> nearby. And I walked over to them, and they're like, "Okay, well, what was the car?" And I told them, and they looked on their clipboard, and they told me which street they thought it was on. And so I went and I found it, but it was like that heart sinking feeling. So this is the Holy only god. time, like, where I would have this app would have helped, I guess. Yeah. 
And I mean, there's also uh, emergency response. So if you're in an accident or something like that, it'll call emergency services so that you can't leave the scene of, a, of an accident or a crime. Um, what is interesting, Ben, is like all of these other features for like, I guess, teen drivers or people you don't trust driving your car. There's like this curfew alert and there's like this boundary alert that you can set like a boundary on the car where it's driving and then you'll get a notification. And then what are you supposed to do with that? I don't know. Uh, if my kid is out there driving in a place that he's not supposed to be, like, well, I'll tell him to come home. Yeah, I guess. Hopefully I guess he'll, he'll, my, hopefully my my rebellious child come listens to me, or else maybe Dominic to Toretto will car. Dominic Toretto will pick him up and bring him home, bring the busting uh, home. Uh, can you imagine if you're if you had a curfew alert or a speed limit alert or a boundary alert on your car growing up? Would you get Would you have gotten more trouble or less trouble? Well, I did have a curfew at one point because I made a series of bad decisions that led my parents <laughs> to institute a curfew. Okay. Uh, but, uh, I mean, boundary alert, I, I don't know. Did you ever overdrive the, your car? What does overdrive mean? Like, like put way too much. You, you just drove it way, way the hell out of town one day. Well, of course. I lived in a rural area. There's not really a – I mean, I lived way the hell out of town. So it's <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I lived in the suburbs, so I guess my parents would have been like, well, don't go to Toronto every single day or something like that. And I would have not listened to them, of course. <laughs> I mean, you had, that underground, sure fight, you had that underground fight league you were managing. Yeah, man. I, that's, how do you think I afforded uh, my education? <laughs> um, like, seriously, that, that's a really interesting. I guess some parents want that um, security blanket. Well, Ford's had that forever, right? Yeah. And uh, and now the other automakers are, are jumping on board. Why do you think the legacy looks boring? Why do you think Subaru keeps doing this? I think it's um, they have a um, what's the word I'm looking for? An expectation of des- of a certain design that they're supposed to be a bit more utilitarian than. Um, stylish and most people who get a Subaru are getting it because they want that. Um, that extra practicality that comes with a with a Subaru, which is usually more space, um, off-road ability of some kind. And I think if you have a super stylish car, you might not feel as confident taking it out in the woods or off-roading because so – you But no one's off-roading the, I'm, no I'm one is off-roading the legacy. So that's interesting that you say that. A lot of the legacy's um, solutions with this new generation are going is going to come with marketing. And the car can go soft roading. We'll say we're not. It's yeah, not I, to, I, I've owned a legacy. Okay, cool. And humble what did you brag. What did you? Well, okay. First of all, people. Some people in in areas that see a lot of weather and snow, like uh, like in Canada or or the north or the northwest, they'll see um, the need or the desire to get an all wheel drive vehicle, so they have a little bit more confidence in. Um, yeah, but no, you, you, that doesn't have anything to do with styling. Like, you can have a capable car that looks good, and it's almost like Subaru is saying, "We know people are going to buy this, even if it looks plain." Or they're afraid that their buyers like plain cars, and they're not willing to gamble that someone who hasn't bought a Subaru in the past might buy one in the future if it looked more interesting. Like, and I, I find that yeah. weird. I, I, one hundred percent. It's my biggest criticism with the vehicle is that it is super anonymous looking and i don't know when they're going to get a new design language that is is a gener is generations above what they currently offer and yeah the and it's, is, they don't look bad s- they don't yeah. look bad they're just not interesting have you ever seen an interesting subaru 
Yeah, I think that the uh, the bug eye um, impraises were interesting looking. I mean, the Baja is super weird looking. Um, they've taken <laughs> risks in the past. Oh, you mean like the Tribeca? The Tribeca was <laughs> not good looking. It was interesting. No, it was not interesting. <laughs> it was nothing. It was a bland, bland vehicle with a terrible front end. But yeah. uh, I, I, I just don't see why not. I mean, they could do it. I mean, the BRZ looks interesting. But there's a there's you know anecdotes that say that the BRZ was not designed by styled by Super. Anyway, um, I, okay. I, I want to ask you. What everyone else always ends up asking me, why are so many people buying SUVs and can uh, sedans? If you're going to say this is the sedan, the SUV sedan, I am going to just end the podcast right now because that is such an annoying marketing line from Subaru. I am not going to say it, but Subaru is. And they're going to continue saying that this is the SUV of sedans. And they're actually going a little bit further Uh... by by showing – actually, the new Legacy has – roof rack brackets um built in so it will be more uh you'll be able to buy a, a roof rack that can support either a basket or some canoes or bikes um straight from the from the dealer i think that's always been the case but i think this is, it's going to be easier now and in all of their marketing materials they're planning on showing it with a canoe or something like that on it to show people that um you don't need an suv to do this kind of uh to live to have that kind of lifestyle and that it might actually be easier to to put stuff on a roof rack on a sedan rather than an SUV. It, you know, don't try to pretend your sedan is an SUV. Sell your sedan to sedan buyers. Sell your SUVs to SUV buyers. Don't come up with this weird marketing logic that's not logical at all, telling people that your car is something that it's not. I just don't get it. Play to the car's strengths. Don't make it pretend. It's like, oh, here's our car that's an SUV. No, it's not. And if you try to compare it on that metric, it's going to fail. So why set your vehicle up for failure? Right. I mean, it's going to be more fuel efficient and better to drive than an SUV. Uh, and I think that's what they want. They like, To compare it to uh, an SUV for those characteristics, it's like it's like picking on someone who's not the same size. As yeah, you know it's just I mean? bizarre. It's a weird thing. To <laughs> it's like anyway. bullying. Is there, is there uh, anything else that you want to talk about with the Legacy? I want to add the pricing for it is uh, is pretty aggressive. The base models um, start at twenty three thousand dollars, and um, the f- the turbocharged models, which are known as XT models in the United States and GT models in Canada, uh, are under forty thousand dollars, which I think is pretty good for um, the amount of performance and equipment that you get with it. Uh, and you always got to remember this com- becomes a standard all wheel drive. Okay. So uh, I drove a vehicle this past week that also had standard all-wheel drive, um, but it was significantly larger. And that vehicle is the 2019 BMW 750XI. Uh, in Canada, it's called the LI, but in the U.S. it's called the XI because I believe that the only short wheelbase model is the 740. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure about this, but this is the extended wheelbase, gigantic full-size, full-boat luxury sedan from BMW. Rear doors on this vehicle are, are huge. They're like the size of my desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, enormous passenger room in the second row. You know, it's it's basically, it's an executive car. It's designed for people who want to be driven. Uh, fairly giant trunk, although my trunk had some kind of, um, I believe it was a refrigerator in it that took up a fair amount of space uh, for, the con- for the center console in the back. Cool. Uh, anyway. Did it also have that tablet? No, it doesn't. So it, it 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 oh in the in the center console. You know what? I didn't look. 
I didn't look because I wasn't riding back there. I was actually driving the car. Uh, And I took it on a series of road trips. I went to two county fairs. Well, one was almost a state fair in Vermont, and the other one was a smaller county fair in Quebec, in in Brome. And I did both of the trips mixing interstate with two-lane. And I did this because BMW has always kind of tried to position the 7 Series as a full-size sedan that's reasonable when it comes to handling it. And my car uh, checked in at $110,000, but that's because I had like the M package and executive package. I had pretty much everything you can get. I think it starts at just under a hundred grand. So it's supposed to handle a little better. The exhaust is somewhat louder. It has a sportier steering wheel. So it has three drive modes. You have like the, the Sport. You don't have Sport Plus in this car. You have Sport Comfort. Adaptive, I guess, is four if you include adaptive and Eco Plus, which I never ever use because why would you do that? Um, but there's some crazy stuff about this car. So it's a giant car; it weighs just under five thousand pounds, but it has five hundred and twenty-three horsepower and five hundred fifty-three pound-feet of torque from a twin-turbo V8. And like that torque starts at eighteen hundred RPM, like so, immediately. Yeah, right away. So you you can hit sixty miles an hour in uh, 3.9 seconds. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which is absurd. Like Actually, that that must feel like. It must be like a takeoff, like it's you're like in something Corvette. that big. Yeah. It is like a Corvette that that is it's it's like the aircraft carrier that the Corvette launched from, <laughs> but it can keep up with the Corvette after it launches. It's seven. It's almost eighty horsepower and eighty pound feet of torque more than the previous generation car. Uh, and this car also has the giant grill that everyone's kind of been hating on. That's on the X7, mm-hmm. very similar. <laughs> but what's weird is when you look at it with this grill, it really narrows the vehicle. Because the grill is so big and upright, it just kind of like – it almost makes – and this is going to be strange to say. It almost makes the 7 Series look like a truck. Like it's what? built on a truck platform. It just okay. seems bulky and upright. And it's right. not ugly or anything. And I don't think it – I think it's an it's an okay car to look at. Uh, it's not particularly striking, but it has road presence because of its size. Right. And it, it attracts a lot grill. of <laughs> – And the grill. And it attracts a lot of attention. Oh, um, did it? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I had numerous people comment on the vehicle while I was driving it. But uh, I was impressed by how well the 7 Series combined reasonable driving capability, like reasonable handling, with extreme comfort. Like, I put probably five, 600 miles on the car in the space of a day and a half. And it was extremely – I was just refreshed the entire time. Uh, even coming back late at night, I didn't feel, you know, like I've been driving all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and on twisty roads that you definitely feel the car's weight, but the car can tackle the corners that you want it to go through. It, it doesn't feel engaging, but it right. can do what you ask it to do. And I was, I was impressed by that because I found the previous generation seven was a little floatier than I would have, would have appreciated. Okay. Um, I know that 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 feeling comes with thanks to a bunch of the features that you you mentioned, like that, like M, I guess like an M package of some kind, M sporty. Well, it has a standard adaptive suspension, regardless of which one you get. Oh, okay. And it has two axillary suspension, so it can self level. Wow. Yeah, and individual each wheel is where the 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 air suspension is. Okay. So even if you like load, like let's say you have a passenger in the back right and a driver in the front left, it'll balance mm-hmm. the car. You'd have to have a pretty heavy passenger for this yeah. issue, but yeah, you can do that. Now, the question: Whenever uh, you know somebody drives one of these things, is did you check out the back seat? You said no. Uh, do you think a lot of people who are buying these cars are going to drive them themselves? 
I mean, I don't know how much. I think you know it's a split. Kevin's I think it's a split. But... I used the back seat, just I didn't sit back there. I used the back seat to carry cargo because I, I bought some okay. stuff at these fairs and some garage sales and stuff because I'm classy like that. Right. And uh, it was great because I had tons of stuff in the in the back seat. I didn't really have to put anything in the trunk, so I didn't have to worry about stuff sliding around. Well, I don't know that tr- if that if there's a fridge in the center console in the back, would that eat in the trunk space? Yeah, it definitely eats in the trunk space. Yeah, you got you know, deal with this whole fridge situation in the trunk (laughs) uh you can get a four-wheel steering for the car i Mm. don't think my car had it um actually you can make this big car feel a little bit i do think i do think my car had it sorry i don't think i think the base 740 doesn't have it uh but uh you know it's a weird car because seven series is kind of caught between the s class which is seen as the standard for the business and I can understand that. And the Audi A8, which is kind of like a dark horse in the luxury world where you get the all-wheel drive that, you know, they, they market yeah. that very heavily. Uh, you used to be able to get a V10 if you wanted. Um, it, it was a pretty crazy performer. And I think for, like, maybe up until the E60 or whatever, not the E60, that's a 5 Series, maybe up until the, the mid-2000s mm-hmm. when the Bangle 7 Series came out, I think the 7 was a reasonable handler. And then I think they kind of let it get really big for a while. <laughs> yeah. And they're kind of trying to come back to something that handles a little bit better. And I think they're close to it. But I don't know who's buying this car. You know, like a 5 Series is a better buy if you don't need an enormous back seat. Right. But the interior on the 7 is really nice. It's a cut above the 5 Series in terms of materials and styling. You definitely feel that. You feel like it's yeah. like 100% that solid step up. The okay, quilted good. leather and and uh, especially it's not necessarily just the seats, but it's the surfaces you're touching, like with your arms and and your your elbows and stuff. Okay. Uh, the console, the 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 door panels, they feel really high end. You can get the heated uh, side panels on the car too, so it'll heat your it'll heat the center console to keep your elbow warm. <clears throat> stuff like that. It, it just that makes you feel like you're driving something a little more special than a five series. But again, if you don't need the back seat room. The five series backseat is going to be fine for everyday use, right? Um, is it? It's not yet up to the standards. You think? I mean, I guess the different buyers. These are now really like you're you're getting to the nitty gritty of this kind of segment. But is it up to the standard of the S class? It's really hard to say. I haven't right. driven an S class in maybe a year and a half, so I don't have it fresh in my mind. Okay. Uh, dynamically, the S class isn't super impressive either because it's no. not meant to be. It's it's meant but to it, be. Boasts so much luxurious features and it feels, you know how you said you got out of the car feeling really refreshed. I think the S class is like this, the benchmark in that feeling. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think the series, I think the seven series is fine and, and it's very quick for such a heavy car. It is very quick. And I was impressed <laughs> with that. And uh, something else that was nice about it is sometimes if you're in a very large, very quick car, it can feel like you're out of control. It can feel like if you're accelerating hard, you're on a you're you're on a locomotive that is you know you you've got the hammer down and you're a passenger you're along for the ride and maybe you're going to make that corner or maybe you're going to be able to stop in time. I didn't <laughs> have that feeling with the seven series. No, there's been some AMG cars I've driven that have been yeah. like that, which is overwhelming. And the seven is fast without making me feel like I was going to die at any point. <laughs> I'm very confident, eh? Yeah, it, it's floaty in corners at times. Like you, that's where you feel the weight. Like you can feel body roll, mm-hmm. but it's never dangerous or anything. Like you're never like, whoa, this is a bad idea. It's just kind of like, okay, this is a big car. Uh, one of the things that bugs me with um, some modern BMWs is the amount of equipment that they 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 push in them. So a base seven forty X drive starts about eighty nine. 
thousand dollars, and this one um, had quite a bit more, uh, a, quite a few additional features stacked on. Were any of them gimmicky, unnecessary, and or or were some of them like if you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car, you have to get this. A seven fifty starts at one hundred two. Sorry, a seven fifty. I was thinking of a seven forty. Yeah. So. No, this. I mean, it, the executive package that it came with. You're just basically looking at stuff like luxury seat, uh, luxury seats, massage seats. Mm-hmm. Did you um, use them? Yeah, I did actually. Oh wow! Uh, it, it, you have a panoramic LED roof. I didn't really. I'm sorry. A, what? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't look any different to me. It's called their Sky Lounge roof. It's like a. It's a front and rear. Um, sunroof basically, uh, and you get ceramic controls. Which, I hate this. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> it's like, I've, well, you know how we complain about being blinded by the Swarovski crystals? Oh, yeah. So this is like the anti-Swarovski crystal. Yeah, it I gives know. you like a deep black finish to the gauges. But, a solution to a problem they made. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I, I will say, still reflected in my eyes several times while I was driving <laughs> because it is heavily polished. So this is just like, that was only four grand. If you're buying a $100,000 vehicle, four grand in options is not a big deal. No. Did and it have the, the ginormous key? Yes. Unfortunately. With the, with the screen? Could you and ghost ride your whip? There's no way that you could put that key on a keychain because there's no hole for the keychain. Don't appreciate that, BMW. Right. But, you, so know, you have to put it in your fanny pack. I had to put it in my fanny pack, which is already filled with things like Pop-Tarts and first aid stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and a flashlight yeah. flashlight and a whistle. But I'm going to say I was very pleasantly surprised by the car. I, I got in thinking, okay, I'm going to be underwhelmed by a plush, so-so driving experience. But what I got was high-end luxury combined with a real effort at making it interesting to drive. And it's, I'm going to stop short of saying it's engaging mm-hmm. and that I looked forward to driving it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I enjoyed my time behind the wheel. Interesting. Um, I... I, I always have a difficult time talking about this segment because it's almost like recommending a, a supercar to somebody. It sometimes it needs to meet your suit somebody's taste in order to it, in order for it to really appeal to them. Um, there is no like clear cut best winner. I think sometimes, because as you said, this, the, the S class isn't exactly fun to drive. And the a eight um, is, is really loaded with a high end technology. You have to be kind of like a, like a, a, tech head to really be into that car the 7 series kind of blends the world it feels like a like a car that's interesting to drive it's not uh it still puts driving um in the conversation of what it can do what's Uh, what's what's really weird about um circling back to that executive package you're talking about customer and this is what made me think about it Uh, on the website when you're building the 7 series and you get to the packages section there's only the executive package right and the pack the, the picture for executive package it's a it's an x5 and there's a dude, and he's loading in, like, a leather bag into the back of his X5 hatch. But in the hatch already is a longboard. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who this customer is. Honestly, no idea. <laughs> okay. And, I also and this, don't understand what the, what the thumbnail – it's an X5, you said. It's totally an X5. Yeah, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. So the executive package is for – you to have a guy come to your house in his X5, take your luggage. Takes your bag. Maybe <laughs> yes. you get it back. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's an adventure. Yes. Hashtag 7 Series. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, safety features. Did it drive for you? You, you mentioned Yeah, it did uh, drive for me. On. It had the follow the drunk driver feature. Um, it had the lane keeping assistance. It all worked fairly well. Mm-hmm. But surprisingly, not as smooth as the Golf R. 
but what? very smooth. I would not have complained if I, if I had paid for this feature. I would not be upset. It, it worked as as advertised. And I really appreciated it because it was Labor Day weekend. There was a ton of traffic in certain areas. Yeah. At one point, one of the reasons why I got off the highway was because Waze was telling me this like two-lane road that added another 35 miles to my trip was the same distance <laughs> as a straight shot on the highway. So, I'm, of course, I'm going to take that. And it was, I'm glad I did because, again, garage sales because that's how I roll. But also uh, just fun, dro- fun roads to drive on. And uh, the 7 was nice because I, I needed to pass some slow pokes on these two lanes. And it was right there with me the whole time. I never felt like I couldn't complete a passing maneuver that I wanted to. And then I could slow down right after. And uh, it just it was, it was very... It was a calm driving experience. You know, the car had my back, whatever I wanted to do. Okay. One last question. It's about um, iDrive. Is iDrive still cool? Their infotainment system, is it still easy to use? Is it, is it well, functional? I mean, it's, pretty? It's, it's fine. I think that the gauge cluster display they put in the set, not just the 7, but we talked about this with the mm-hmm. Z4, and I think with the 3 Series, because all we do is drive BMWs these days, uh, <laughs> we talked about how it's plain. On the yeah. gauge cluster, like the center screen looks good, it has all the features you want and whatever. But when you look at the what's right in front of you as a driver, they have a map representation. This for, line drawing, this it's like, just line drawings. And you look at Audi, paint, like. yeah, you look at Audi and Volkswagen, and they've got this like fully featured map that takes over the whole cluster, and they they're able to dynamically position gauges uh, in order to help you view what you want to see on the or map. Porsche, remember Porsche does that in one of the gauges too. They put a whole map in one of the one of the gauges. So BMW, I don't get it. Like they, I think they could do that, and I'm not sure why they're not. Uh, it's not terrible to look at, but it does seem a little lower rent than what you'd expect from the company, given how well everything else in the car is executed. How many times did you accidentally trigger the gesture control? Oh, man. Uh, so many times. Really? And I should not have taught my passenger how to use it because <laughs> she started lowering the volume on songs she didn't like. And it was so, like, subtle. Like, I couldn't see her finger just... Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, BMW has a very useless gimmick where... If you twirl your finger in front of the center screen, it will change the volume. It will also sometimes skip the track uh, from one to the next. It will also mute the song. In fact, if you're pumping your fist because the music is awesome, it often mutes the song. <laughs> yeah, I, they added this new gesture, which is the next song, which is a thumb up to the side, uh, to either side, like left or right. And that's how it I it. I don't like this feature because it can... feature will work for people in the back seat. Oh, it might. If they had, like, a stick. <laughs> if they had, like, a poking stick that they used, and they could just mess with you the whole time. And what are you going to do? They have the stick. They're in control. They're they're the captain now, Sammy. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I don't like gesture controls. It's gimmicky, and it gives too much control to other people in the car. So... And did anyone oh. notice how you smelled when you got out? The fragrance dispensed. So my my driving partner, she found the fragrance that she was going through the glove compartment looking for the manual because she was curious yeah. about learning more gesture controls to mess with me. <laughs> and um, there was a whole bunch of like empty or open containers. And then the center screen started saying like close glove compartment to activate smell experience or something like that. And I was <laughs> like, no, don't do it. And we managed to avoid it. There is a dedicated smell button, I think, on the uh, center <laughs> stack. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Well, it doesn't say smell, but like fragrance or odor or perfume. Right. The, the names aren't as cool as the uh, the moods from BMW, from from Mercedes Benz, like Mercedes. city mood and nightlife mood, and yeah. yeah. Um, but it, just before we we finish wrapping up talking about BMW, uh, some news came out this week, and you and I were talking about this earlier. 
So Automobile is reporting that BMW has decided to cancel a whole bunch of vehicles, Sammy. This blows uh, my mind. This really stunned me. I didn't believe it when you told me it. So and, why, don't you, and, why don't you continue here? So what's most surprising, I think, is we'll go through the list of what's not surprising and what is surprising. Here's what's not surprising. The convertible 2 series is going to be gone. Yeah, and that's no surprise. No. Slow seller, overlap with the Z4. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. The short wheelbase 7 series, again, no one was really buying it. You can't buy it in Canada. It's, mm-hmm. it's not possible. Um and uh, where things get a little weird, though, yeah. is the Z4. <laughs> there will be no next generation Z4. They're done, one and done with this car. Uh, it really points out that BMW had their arm twisted to work with Toyota and put out a Z4 of their own. And I guess they've seen early sales are just not worth continuing it, which is what happened with the previous generation Z4. Very slow seller. So, bam, that car's gone. And um, the other one that's a little weird, Sammy, the 8 Series. That makes no sense. The 8 Series just came out. It, it's a gorgeous car. It got a ton of uh, critical success, I think. Yeah. Uh, I guess people just aren't buying it. They are not buying it. And... But this reports of the coupe and convertible variants of the 8 Series, meaning that they think that maybe the 8 Series Grand Coupe, the four-door version of this car, might be the one that... Is the uh... 8 Series Grand Coupe out yet? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, maybe. Interesting point. Um, they also talked about how there's going to be an X8, which is going to be a sportier version of the X7. Oh, my God. Um, I'm rolling my eyes. So that's probably... But if they can do it with the 7 Series, maybe we can do it with an, with an X8, too. Well, I mean, maybe that's where the tooling is going. The production line space is going from the 8, 8 Series Coupe. I'll be sad to see the Coupe go. I think it looks good, like you said. I think it's something uh, I think it's something pretty in BMW's lineup. Uh, yep. I'll be sad to see the Z4 go, too, because it's actually a good car. Hmm. And um, anytime you're taking a roadster off the market, you know a, a little, a little piece of a little piece of me dies. <laughs> so uh, well, they're taking two: the convertible two series and the Z4. Well, the, yeah, but the two series chunk this time. two series isn't a roadster, so I'm okay with that. How but about the uh, X2, they're saying the X2 might be going. Yeah, the X2 could be going. Uh, that doesn't necessarily surprise me, though. Does that does that surprise you? I really enjoyed the X2 M35i. I thought yeah. that was a really good car. Well, and, no. Go on, sorry. And it surprised me because the X2 itself gained a lot of attention. I think it it made people pay a little bit more attention to the small crossover range of BMW, the X1 and the X2. Yeah, I, you know, you X2 know what's weird is it's, it's such a hot segment, right? And if you can't make if you can't make the X2 work in that segment, I mean, that's just strange. I mean, people are buying Q3s, and the Q3 is honestly not great. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, you're right. So, uh, and the GLA, not great. But the X2 was a solid all-around vehicle. So it's Yeah, much kinda... better than that. In fact, the X2 and probably the Volvo is the only one that I would even consider yeah, in that segment. Well, the XC40 is, is almost a, an X3 competitor. I almost. think it's I think it's bigger than an X2. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, There's anyway, also that Lexus, but I'm not a huge fan. The UX? Yeah, we, we, we talked about that, I think, a couple months ago. We had that on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, you know, strange times, Sammy. Strange times. Speaking of strange times, uh, what are you driving next week? I am going to drive a Subaru Ascent, uh, but this time instead of getting the top of the top of the line uh, premier models, I'm going to get one of the more uh, basic convenience models. Okay, I'm going to be comparing that to actually the new Hyundai Palisade and uh, Kia Telluride, two cars that are very closely related. And okay, I actually just booked both of those vehicles back to back in a couple uh-huh. months. So. It's some nice duplicate content for everyone. What who's are you listening. driving? I'm going to be driving the uh, Mazda Miata. 
the soft top version because it's been a little while and you should drive one every summer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's got that great new engine in it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've talked about it in the past, I think, on the podcast. Um, so I'm just trying to see how it holds up after after a year and after having driven a, a bunch of other sports cars. Um, okay. And I wanted to also say thank you so much for all the entries we had for the Porsche book giveaway. We had a bunch of people reach out to us. Yeah. It is it now was a- overwhelming, Ben. I didn't expect it. It is the now. Good thing a- we have two. Jeez. I know. Well, it is now officially the end of that contest. As you are listening to this, it's Sunday, so it's been seven days. We are going to announce the winners next week. The winners is going to be totally random. Everyone who entered is going to be entered, given a, a random number, and then those random numbers will be selected by another random number generator. So that's how it's going to work. Um, thank you for those who played, and sorry everyone couldn't win, but two people are going to go home with a very nice book. Um. So if this is one of the first times you've listened to the podcast, or if you want to see some of the, the other things that we've actually produced, you can head to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Uh, and while you're there, you'll see all our old episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast using your favorite uh, podcatcher or podcast client. Um, and there's also a contact form there so that you can just send a, a quick note to us saying uh, you hate gimmicks and BMWs or you definitely think that Legacy is also the SUV of sedans. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine nobody's going to send a, a form saying that. Um, and, and if you want to get in touch with us other ways, there's also social media. Sammy is on the cesspool. It is Twitter, which is you can reach him at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing i prefer instagram because people are just generally nicer you can find me there at hunting benjamin and you can also email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com one last thing i wanted to mention is and we're going to talk about this next week too is uh i've decided to ls swap my jeep uh my wagoneer so i'm in the middle of making that happen and that'll kind of be a fun project that we're going to talk about on future podcasts so if anyone out there has any questions about jeeps or ls swaps or just wants to you know encourage me and let me know i'm not crazy for doing this i'd appreciate hearing that too very cool so thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye bye